Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, he is, well, the everything guy, the part of that team with Kristen Airy, Quinn Buckner, Eddie Gill, Jamie Burns, uh, Softman, everybody behind the scenes, Bally Sports Indiana covering the Pacers. Pacers back at it after the All-Star break, get the Celtics tonight. Jeremiah Johnson is with us. I apologize for not getting to everybody. I hope I did not offend anybody. <laughs> Uh, no, a lot of people do a lot of hard work to go into the broadcast, and you did a good job of getting a lot of the names out there. How lo- how old were you in 1985? I was seven. Do you at all remember, even vaguely, the night chair throw on this date in 85? You know, we used to watch the games, obviously, on Channel 4, most of them back in the day, and I don't know that I have a specific recollection of that game. Uh, and seeing the chair tossed. Obviously, we've seen it a lot since then. More late 80s, I started to get to where I really remembered what happened. I think it was one of those games that everyone just talked about the next day at church and uh, maybe even came up in a a church service of whether that was okay to express your anger in such a form of throwing a chair. But I don't necessarily remember watching it, but I started to remember more the next year or two after that. Now, I don't know about people around you, but certainly the people around me, especially my grandparents and others' grandparents, they, more than church, were ready on a Sunday morning for the Bob Knight Show. That might have been the if, – if, if you could go back and do the ratings, seriously, that might have been the biggest ratings monster of that era when it came to over-the-air television like that, when you're using an antenna, for example. I don't know if anything would have had higher ratings, especially in rural areas, than the Bob Knight Show back what, then around here. What if, you, what if you just put the Bob Knight Show on on a weekly basis now, picked any random – uh, season and oh, yeah. started airing those on Sunday mornings. I think that would draw good ratings right now. I think it would too. I wonder why <laughs> nobody's ever thought about trying to air those. And here's here's my thing. I wonder because you're probably privy to this because once upon a time you worked in the building at, at Fox 59. I was told by some folks, uh, the higher ups back in the day, that when the transition was made, uh, you know, obviously from Channel 4 to CBS 4, um, everybody found out that a lot of what Channel 4 had on tape, because they didn't want to buy new tape all the time, taped over a lot of stuff. I wonder if they taped over some of those Bob Knight shows. Well, sadly, I heard about this well after the fact, but I did hear a story of a bunch of tapes being put in a dumpster in uh, the transition period. And I did hear of a couple of people who went dumpster diving and and got some of those. But I think you're you're spot on. If you wanted to run a whole season, I'm not sure that uh, the, the good quality tapes exist anywhere except for maybe some bits and pieces. But there are people with VHS tapes, I'm guessing. Yeah living in uh, all parts of Indiana, maybe even listening right now, that might be able to say, hey, I've got the 1990 uh, Bob Knight show. If you want to watch that on VHS, it'll be tough to digitize it. I agree with that. I think people would watch that right now 
Uh, if not, certainly on TV, they would watch it on a device somewhere if it get get posted. In a second, I think people would watch that. Exactly. We've got an idea if we ever start our own TV station. <laughs> yeah. The dumpster diving thing, I'm a little disappointed. I was never told because I would have liked just a swan dive into that dumpster with Sammy Terry, exactly. Cowboy Bob, Janie, all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, the the wrestling on Saturdays. I would have been, you know, Bill's unclaimed freight commercials. I've been all in that dumpster. I'm a, a little bit of a pack rat myself, so in my basement, <laughs> I've got some boxes, but I don't have all of the Bob Knight show seasons, unfortunately. Mm, I don't know. I know when it made that transition to uh, what is now my indie TV. I forget what it was when it was across from um, the Speedway back then, but. Uh, I don't know about that, but when it was on Channel 4, the Chuck Marlowe Channel 4 era is absolutely unmatched. And basically, it was a week-to-week bonanza of just 30 minutes of great viewing. It was. <laughs> it was. Uh, Chuck Marlowe, when I was able to meet him once on a golf course, he was one of those people that was on my, my top five list of people I really wanted to shake hands with early in my career. You know, guys like... Eric Davis that I looked up to and, and Chuck Marlowe because of what he meant on Sunday mornings. And I know you didn't have me on to talk about Sunday morning coaches shows, but for one year that I was able to host the Royce Waltman show in, uh, in Terre Haute at WTWO, I felt like I had my own little version of, of Chuck Marlowe trying to have that Sunday morning TV show. And that was one of, one of the highlights of my early portion of my career. And Royce was fantastic, too. Just fantastic. He had a little Bob Knight in him, you he know did. that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, anybody that would have been around probably would develop that a little bit, right, for that period of time. Exactly. So, yep. all right, Pacers back at it. What, they got 22 games remaining this season? You are correct. 60 games in the books, 22 remain. It's crazy that the All-Star break many refer to without even thinking as the halfway point, but it's almost three-fourths of the way through the season. Actually, when you get through the game tonight, you'll be over three-fourths of the way through the 82-game slate. So it's really a sprint to the finish right now for the Pacers. What are we thinking about? What are we looking for? I, I kind of gave my thoughts on what I'm going to be looking for. It's not exactly equating to what a lot of Pacer fans want because I think at this point they're cool with losing. But, J.J., I've mentioned this. I, I want to see this team, if they're able to be competitive in a fourth quarter, I want to see this group close out fourth quarters if that means you know further down the road oh you're messing up draft status or this or that I don't really care because I think that's a major part of the growth of this group is what you do in a fourth quarter and if there are opportunities there I'd like to see them work through those opportunities so I guess that's at the top of the list for me what about you I would agree with you I think I actually would split up this next 22 games into maybe you know, 10 and 12 or 11 and 11. And I would still want over the next month, maybe the next three weeks to do everything you can. If a guy's healthy and you can play and you can try to win, try to put a little run together because the last time the Pacers played Boston, it was a couple of games before Christmas and people thought, well, this team really doesn't have it. And they started a stretch winning eight of 10 against really good teams that showed that they were maybe better than everyone thought. Then Tyrese got hurt and they've become a little bit out of sync in January and February. I'm really watching this game tonight and then that four-game road trip that's not the most challenging of road trips. The games are spread out. You've got Orlando in there. You've got Chicago, San Antonio, and Dallas. So maybe look at where you are after the next five and then maybe the next couple weeks after that. And if you really struggle 
at that point, then maybe you can, you know, maybe look to the future a little bit. But I do agree with you. You're going into every game, you're trying to win, and if you're there in the fourth quarter, the late game execution is something you can really build on because the guys that are going to be on the court now are guys that are going to be on the court trying to win meaningful games for you in the future. It's a J.J. Bally Sports Indiana 630. Your coverage begins coming up later on tonight. J.J.'s with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what has been your small sample size of the Jordan Wara experience to this point? Uh, you know, you don't want to take such a small sample size and say, you know, he can play or he can't play or he can't be. A or he can't shoot. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not doing it. Yes. I'm not doing it yet. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I've, I've seen him shoot. I mean, that was the one thing when they got him, I remembered that game in Milwaukee when he could not miss. And maybe he was a guy in no, Milwaukee. See, that's, that's, I, yeah, that's unfair because they all hit everybody on Milwaukee's <laughs> roster hit. So maybe that's unfair. And he does get open looks when he's surrounded by all those shooters. But if he comes in in the second unit, he's not going to be shy. You're going to see him get the shots up, and you know he can make them. Let's see how he fares percentage-wise over the last two months of the season. And more importantly, can he defend? Can he get in there and get some tough rebounds? Because they do need some defense on the wing, someone that can go in maybe in a in a five- or six-minute stretch and really lock down a good wing offensive player so uh, I thought the first game he played he played pretty well especially I think seven points in that first half of that first game struggled a little bit the second game but you don't want to just constantly make a declaration of whether he's going to be a player down the road based on each particular game maybe he's a little undersized so he's going to have to continue to fight that but I do like uh, the bulk I like the strength and you do like the fact that he can get on a streak much like any shooter and you, you probably had uh, your games in the morning or in the evening. Still, you can get on a hot streak and you can be on a cold streak. And a guy coming off the bench doesn't have that long to determine whether he's going to be hot or cold. I suck so bad right now. That's, I'm telling you. You're on you. a cold streak. Yeah, I think I'm on an old streak. I just, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what Mother Nature is doing to me right now. But I, I'm kind of like, you know, when you used to crush those you'd, you'd like i know you did back in the day right in purdue you'd crush a beer a 12 ounce beer and then you would crush the can that's what my body's doing right now it's like a a can a 12 ounce can that you crush and it gets shorter and wider the hell's going on here <laughs> uh, i'm shrinking and getting wider less beer right <laughs> well i don't even i don't drink that much i don't know what i do I just I must have done something wrong in the past because yeah the good fortune with the bod right now is not going. I've got aches and pains and I'm sore here and I have been JJ and I'll be honest with everybody an absolute mess. And I'm doing it again tonight and I'll probably be messy tonight. I'm just messy. Shoot your way out of it. Just keep shooting. Everybody hates my guts because we end up getting <laughs> pounded. <laughs> You need me to play because I'll just get all the offensive rebounds. Oh, in your I, gosh. I just, like I just, it depresses me so much. Ah, tin can. I just, it's shorter. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to shrink. I don't know why I'm shrinking here. What happened? All right. Uh, anything we should be aware of? Any injury wise? Any updates? Anything that I'm not privy to that, that you are maybe coming up here in the next couple of hours? Yeah, I'm not really aware of anything to speak of. I'll be watching the Celtics a little bit because Jalen Brown, I think he maybe played one game before the All-Star game, and then he played with the mask on during that All-Star game. And also, 
you know, Jason Tatum was pretty busy all weekend long, and then he won the MVP. Sometimes guys like that, their first game back, maybe they can be a little sluggish, a little slow, and they had to leave, obviously, on Wednesday, uh, leave Boston for Indiana. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Pacers are in as good a position as they could be, and also, as mentioned, the schedule is even though you're going to be four of the next five on the road, the games are really spread out. So you should get this team's best shot. Everyone should be rested and healthy. I know Hal Burton was was really busy all-star weekend, as were some of the other Pacers. But um, I'm just looking forward to a good game, and this is the only time the Celtics are in Indiana, just a three-game series this season. So it's a little chance for the Celtics to come to town, and it should be, uh, if not a sellout, very close tonight. It is worth noting as well as one of the better game achievements for this Pacer team this season was not that long ago in Boston, going back to December. That, to me, was, if not their best game, one of their best games in that win. It was, and it started the stretch of winning 8 of 10. They were up 20 at the end of the first quarter, and Boston just did not know what hit them. So we'll see if the Celtics remember that. At the same time, they have the best record in the NBA right now, so they're kind of on top of the world. I could could see them easing into this first game after the All-Star break, and if they do... The Pacers need to be ready to pounce and get an early advantage and see if they can make it two for two against the Celtics. 6.30, J.J. and company, bring it to you. Celtics Pacers tonight, Bally Sports Indiana. It's Jeremiah Johnson on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Enjoy the game, and uh, if you find anybody that has, like, tapes or anything like that, has any of this that exists, let me know so I can check some of it out. Maybe we'll put together our own channel and put this together, too. I think that's a great idea yeah. you have. I'm going to do some work. I have more work. I have more time in the off season for projects like this, but I'll lay the groundwork here in the next couple of weeks, and I might see someone tonight that could lead me in the right direction. So well I'll done. With you. I'll, I'll follow up with you offline. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the Athletic, he's Bob Kravitz. Hello, Bob. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I could not get into, like others could, feeling that badly about Bubba Ventrone bolting because I completely understand it for a similar reason as to why Jeff Saturday wouldn't want to coach up any aspect of this team after not being chosen as the next head coach. Why would you not if you got another offer or even a better offer, apparently, as Ventrone got bolt? Yeah, and Ben Jones got the Cleveland connection. He's been there before, so it made perfect sense. They just uh, they were able to sort of uh, wangle their way around the fact that it was a a, a move, you know, that that you can't make. They they threw the associate or assistant head coach uh, on his title, gave him a raise, so that way they could uh, justify it. And there was nothing the Colts could do. And you're right; it's because he. Got over. I got to think. I haven't spoken with him, but you got to think that be you know being overlooked for the interim job when he was one of the most highly uh, respected coaches on the on the staff. 
uh, that had a whole lot to do with what uh, came down with Bubba. Yeah, it's um, it, it makes perfectly good sense. And I know you've probably heard this from fans, too. Well, hey, Chris Drosser's now gone, and everybody gives a round of applause for that. Why not Jeff Saturday? And there is a myriad of reasons why not Jeff Saturday. I mean, where do we begin? Why not Jeff Saturday here, right? You're talking about for the offensive line coach? Yes. Or? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Uh, I want, I'm weird. I like people in jobs who have lots of experience. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he coached them up or he coached them for, for eight games and that was it. So no, they, they've got to go out and get themselves somebody with, uh, with a lot of experience and it, it would be, it, it would be, uh, it would be ugly. I think, you know, I mean, to get overlooked for the job and then come back and be the offensive line coach. I, I don't see how that works in any world. Yeah. I mean, and I know he put the best face in front of everybody with that video last week when Shane Steichen was hired. Right. But it's just, to me, human nature to feel certainly burnt by the decision and burnt by some of the fans who acted like jackasses. Yeah, I mean, didn't they have a... A petition, uh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, a petition, thank you. I don't know how many they had, but I did not sign that, by the way. I just want that <laughs> on the record. When's the last uh, time you signed a petition, by the way? Do you know? Uh, that's a great question. I don't have an answer for you, buddy. <sighs> All right. Well, think about that one and report back to me sometime down the road. So, all right, I'll do that. All right. So, yeah, it just it just stands to reason that now, yeah. Bob Kravitz joins us from the Athletic. So next Wednesday, Chris Ballard's going to meet with the media down there. I'm curious from the last time that you guys heard from him. That was with the announcement of Shane Steichen going all the way back to the end of the season press conference. What piques your interest? What would you want to ask him? What will you ask him coming up next week? What comes to mind? Well, we'll ask about 150 questions about quarterbacks. You know, and it's really weird, you know, over the years, um, haven't really had to worry that. I mean, you you you, you covered the combine, but you weren't in, in the kind of position that the Colts are in right now with the fourth spot. So uh, I'm curious, you know, what he's looking for, um, whether, you know, he's a guy who's big on, you know, your physical traits, which would tell me Will Levis or, or C.J. Stroud. If you're looking for that, uh, that magic, um, then I think you're looking at Bryce Young. If you're looking for somebody who can, you know, come along in a couple of years, and then Richardson, Anthony Richardson, no, I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, and I I'm more curious to speak on Friday, well tomorrow, with uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the draft expert. Yeah. Whether he whether he thinks it's worth moving up to one to grab uh, Bryce Young, I, I think I think the most important day of this of this uh, combine will be when he's measured. You know, how tall is he really? How heavy is he really? Um, because, you know, it, I, I don't know how durable he's going to be. I mean, I think he's a terrific quarterback in every conceivable way, and we've had good, smaller quarterbacks. Drew Brees comes to mind, certainly. But, you know, if he's not 5'11 or 5'10, you know, 180 pounds, it's hard. You know, when you draft a guy first, in, you know, uh, 
you want him to be your quarterback for the next 10, 15 years, 10, 12 years, whatever. And will he be durable enough uh, in the league where, you know, linebackers are going 260 and running for whatever? Uh, I think that might be a tough one. So I, I think there are a lot of questions heading into this combine, uh, both for the quarterbacks and for Chris Ballard and the Colts. What would you think, just your opinion right here, if I guess this is twofold, if the Colts would, if they think their guy that they like more than anybody else at that position is going to go number one, if they would legitimately, Bob, think about getting up there. And the other part of that is, do they have enough compared to others that might want to also get up there for them to get up there? Yeah, they they can get up there, no problem. And I think the relationship with uh, Eberflus and the Bears and Ballard, I I think if they want to make it happen, they can make it happen. The question, and and I think it's in the affirmative, is is Bryce Young? Can you justify moving up to number one for Bryce Young? Is he all that? And based on the games that I've seen. I think he's a really special quarterback. He, he's got some stuff about him. Um, I, I, you know, the intangibles are through the roof. Now, again, you know, Ballard loves his physical traits. Um, will he go maybe for a Levis, who's a strong-arm guy, who's coming off kind of a lousy year at Kentucky? Does he look at C.J. Stroud, who's kind of in between Bryce and, and, and Levis? So they've got a lot of interesting options. So Bob Kravitz of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I have based my opinion on C.J. Stroud on one game, and that was that national semifinal against Georgia because Georgia – that's dangerous. Let me tell you you why. Okay, go ahead. And I'll I'll explain why why I did it, and then I'll play off of what you say. Go ahead. I think he did things in that that playoff game he didn't do all year. And that's – that's an issue. I mean, the, I, the good thing is you know he can do it. But will he be willing to run the way he did uh, in that uh, national, in, in the CFP? I mean, I, and I don't know. I mean, all year long, he was a pocket guy. He didn't move around a hell of a lot, or at least he didn't run. He wasn't, you know, Jalen Hurts-esque in any way, shape, or form. But in that game, he was. So, the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, we know he can do it, but will will he do it when when the pocket starts uh, collapsing? And I think that's that's a big issue with him. My thought was this: is that that was on display against, uh, without a doubt, the best team in the country. Now, obviously, their, their defense wasn't what it was the year prior, but it was still pretty damn good. And and Bob, I sit here and I'll tell you, I, I think you can equally poke holes. And all these dudes right oh, now. And that's why I choose to grasp something. And I, I know that's the last thing we saw, but I thought that that was a pretty major last thing that we saw. Like with Will Levis, he didn't have a good season. Okay, well, he didn't have the weapons. Well, I mean, both Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have incredible weapons. In fact, yep. C.J. Stroud probably has better weapons than what the Colts have weapons right now. So <laughs> you can right. poke holes in all these guys. I just tend to go with the level of competition we last saw 
And, you know, one game or not, that's not how he played every single Big Ten game for Ohio State. I'd throw that out, and I would say that that's more of what he is like for the long term now than, you know, going back and and nitpicking, I guess, about a game against Iowa or something like that. I kind of like where that was trending, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to see how these guys throw. I want to see what the scouts have to say. Uh, next week. I, I really think because you don't have a guy who's a clear number one choice among quarterbacks, I think, you know, now I don't, I don't know what they're going to do at the combine. I, I, you know, I say, I want to see him throw. I don't know who's throwing and who's not, to be honest with you. But um, if, it, you know, gun to head, I'd say go up and get Bryce Young. Uh, I just think he's got something intangible about him. Um, you know, and they talk about the, the the physical traits. Well, remember when Joe Burrow's hands were too small? Do you remember that? Yeah, and uh, and, and so was Pickett's hands were too small last year right, with Purdue, right. or I should say with yeah, with Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I think you can get a little too caught up in some of that stuff, but um, and I think the way the game is played now, I think a shorter quarterback. You know, like like uh, Kyler Murray uh, can be successful at this level. Well, Rick Venturi told us right here last week that uh, you got to move heaven and earth to get up there and get number one, and number one's Bryce Young. So that's what he said. Well, who am I to disagree with? The <laughs> Bob Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, before I get away from the Colts, I want to get to some IU and Purdue basketball coming up on Saturday. But what's the uh, the second most important thing for the Colts to address after who's their next quarterback this offseason? Well, offensive – he's on coaching staff or players? I, whatever you think. It's up to you. Uh, well, I, I think the offensive line coach is massively important uh, because you do – he does so much work. He'll, do, he'll, be, he'll be tied at the hip with uh, Steichen, and I think those guys make a big difference. We saw how this thing fell apart last year with uh, Strausser. I don't know if it's all his fault. Um, You know, Ballard did not do a good job of uh, giving him the talent that he needed. As far as as players go, you know, I tend to think that they're going to be okay at left tackle with Ryman. Um, I think they need a new right guard, clearly. Uh, and I think they need more weapons outside. I like Pittman's terrific. I think Pierce has got a future, but I still think they need uh, some, some help there. Uh, I think uh, another, uh, another pass rusher is always, uh, always a good thing. So I just pretty much named off every position on the team. <laughs> so everything, everything is in, incredibly important. Yeah, no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I wonder how deeply they do believe in Ryman. I'm assuming to a degree you kind of have to because I don't know what other direction you're thinking about going at this point. We saw how that went, as you mentioned, last year. So I guess you have to have a deeply rooted belief, you know, even if maybe you have not seen exactly what you had hoped to see oftentimes this past year, yeah. I guess. So you got to believe well, it. He, he was much, much better uh, down the stretch. The last couple of games, uh, I was looking at, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to that PFF stuff, but his grades were consistently very good. So uh, assuming that they know what the hell they're talking about, 
you know, I mean, I didn't see him get beat uh, with nearly the frequency that he did earlier on in his in his tenure at the left left tackle. So uh, I think I think you go into the season thinking uh, this guy can do it, but maybe you get a veteran uh, who can back up and and take you know take that position just in case he struggles so bob kravitz of the athletic with us round two with number 17 indiana number five purdue coming up on saturday night in west lafayette at 7 30 what are you looking at as far as this is concerned is it more about lessons learned and a bit of revenge for the boilers because of what took place in bloomington in january yeah i kind of think the boilers are gonna do a, do a, have their way with the hoosiers on uh, the the hoosiers I understand that they they walked into a really difficult situation with Michigan State, um, and and I will say this, and I've said it all year long. Uh, I think IU is going to go deeper in the NCAA tournament than Purdue. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Wouldn't be the first time, but I think this particular game, I think Purdue. Uh, takes care of business. I thought I thought IU looked tired the other day. I and, said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I real, you know, I mean, uh, Trace has been playing massive minutes with Chapino, massive minutes. Um, what's going to be interesting, if I can sort of ch- you know move off in a different direction, we talked to Mike Woodson today about Xavier Johnson, and that's going to be really interesting because he's not as close to playing as you would like to think. Now, if he does come back in the postseason, how do you utilize him? I mean, he's still one of your best players. Um, Woody talked about him coming off the bench, uh, different options. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty comfortable with Hood Chafino, uh running the show there. What do you think he's going to end up getting back? Is it going to be tournament time, NCAA tournament time, when we're going to see yeah, him again? It's going to be postseason. It doesn't sound like any time in the next two weeks. So, it's got it's got to be – you know, Big Ten tournament or the NCAA. So uh, he's not doing any contact drills uh, as of yet, according to Woodson. And so that tells me it's going to be a little while. Bob Kravitz is with us. You mentioned Trace Jackson Davis. I completely agree. I, I think he looks a little worn. I think a lot of those guys on Tuesday night in East Lansing looked worn. How do you view as of right now? And, and obviously he, he wants to add a, a bit of a getting hot, tournament run coming up in March to a resume that's without it right now but in terms of IU history individually speaking what would you have to say where would you rank Trace Jackson Davis in there well he uh one of the top five to seven players they've ever had you know I mean top 10 wouldn't you say oh yeah I, I would yeah I would based on his uh the totality of the work he's he's done um what what I like about what's going on now, aside from the fact that he's raised the level of his game uh, significantly, is he has a chance to sort of rewrite his legacy. And, you know, for years he's been a really good player on a really average to bad team. Um, now he can lead them to something significant, um, and, and I think I think they will do something um, in, in the postseason. Uh, especially the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great opportunity for him, and I'm happy for him. He's a good kid. When, you're, when your best player is your hardest worker, that's a good thing, and that's Trace. I mentioned this earlier in the week. I, I want to see them get hot 
because I don't want that to be, well, look what he did numbers-wise. He hang or, he hung around for four years, but look what he did not do in the tournament. And you know that that's going to be kind of a, a Dan Marino card that's going to be played endlessly in terms of IU basketball legend and his game. Right, right. And I mean, I remember it was several years ago, Yogi, Yogi had never really been with a great team. And I remember hitting him hitting that shot at Iowa to win the Big Ten uh, regular season title. And it just changed the way you looked at Yogi Ferrell. And I think a postseason run, uh, I mean, I think you already look at Trace differently. Uh, and I think, um, I think the NBA looks at him a little differently with the way he's played this year. But, yeah, I, I think it would only be right for him to walk out of here with a legacy that includes – winning at a very high level. I think we both agree Purdue's going to run roughshod over IU on Saturday, at least by what you said a little bit earlier. But in terms of the Boilermakers, you know, losers of three of four got back on track on Sunday against Ohio State. What's your uh, your feel about as we get toward the end of the regular season, into the Big Ten Conference Tournament, then the NCAA Tournament, your feeling on the Boilers? You know, in the past, they've Fallen short in the Big Ten tournament, and I've and I've often re, re, uh, said that uh, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. They get to go home, they get to rest, prepare for the NCAA tournament. I don't say that this year. I think they need to win the Big Ten tournament if they want to go on any kind of NCAA run. I think uh, I think there's some chinks in the armor. Uh, clearly. Um, uh, they're not good against the press. Teams are going to press them. It seems like it seems like we talk about this with Purdue virtually every year going into March. Um, so I, I think they need to do something up in Chicago to kind of get things right. I mean, I think they're going to get things start to get things right here uh, against IU on Saturday. But uh, I think I, I think doing something in the postseason, the Big Ten. Uh, is going to be important for this group. Today is the anniversary back in 1985 of Bob Knight throwing the chair when the Hoosiers are playing Purdue. And it was interesting day because weather-wise, it was much like today here in central Indiana, unseasonably warm in that day in February. I don't think you were around here at the time, but no, what's your memory not. of it? Uh, just just the re- – you know, I, I can remember seeing the replays and thinking, yeah, that makes sense. I, I covered <laughs> – I covered the man for two years in college. Okay, so I know what kind of crazy temper he has. Now, what year? What uh, years did you cover him? That was at the IDS, I'm assuming, right? Yes, uh, that would have been, I guess, eighty and eighty-one. Okay. Or 79 and 80? I, I can't remember. All right. Well, 79 and 80, you had an NIT championship there. If you were there in 81, you had a national title. Right. National title year, I did not cover them because I was. I think I was managing editor of the paper. I was trying the news side. So I, I guess it would be 79 and 80. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it didn't surprise me at all. And it, to me, I mean, people people love it. I think it was embarrassing. I, I just don't think grown, grown human beings ought to act that way. But that's just me. So Jeremiah Johnson was on in closing here with me a little bit earlier. And he said, do you think, because you got all these different um, streaming channels now, like, Pluto, and it's got, you know, the 80s 
Price is Right. So basically, it goes from 1980 up until when um, um, uh, uh, Johnny Olson, their voice guy, died in October of 85. Do you think that they could, somebody could around here find some sort of streaming service and put like Bob Knight coach basketball games and Bob Knight talk shows on here and that would draw a viewing crowd, you think, locally? Yeah. A locally, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, Somebody many years ago, I don't remember who it was, maybe it was Doyle, did a, it was a really good story about whatever happened to that chair. Yeah. That's what I want to know. I, I think it was Greg. Um, but uh, I, I do remember thinking at one point, well, where is that chair? And if you do find it, how can you confirm that it's that chair? Yeah, Steve Reed went over to grab it. All right, Steve Reed. <laughs> and I mentioned this. I thought this Maybe at the he time. He got in his den. I, I, I remember well, I was watching this. I was 15, and I was, I was obviously preparing for a uh, high school basketball game, laying on the couch and watching this on the Saturday afternoon. And I remember even thinking the term douchey didn't come to mind, but I thought, what's Steve Reed doing running over there and trying to get that chair after he threw it across the floor? I, it, it was long after we we did recognize the term officially douchey. I think that was the start of – it could have started right there because that was a very douchey move to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't recall uh, having the same reaction, but I'll touch on. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I would have said that is incredibly douchey. What's happening here? What are you doing? Yeah. So, now I see. I, I guess with everything that happens, we get so burnt on everything, and to me, that appears to be so lightweight compared to the stuff we see. I mean, you consider what Alabama's and NATO's oh, going on there right now, and all this other stuff. That seems so lightweight. To me now, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, so. it, it's nothing really. Hey, I just want to be uh, before you let me go. Did yeah. you uh, watch the All Star Game? I did. Yes, and I know it's going to be here coming up next year too. Did you think it was as horrible to watch as I did? Um, I, I said this on Monday that there's a crowd for it. That crowd just doesn't necessarily include me, and I'm assuming a lot of people like me. Us old and crusty folks probably yeah, don't get down with that as much as the younger generation, and that part I get. Yeah, I, I understand that it's an exhibition, but for God's sake, compete just a little bit. It's not like football where you're going to get hurt, you know, if, if you get hit the wrong way. It's not like hockey, which is a contact sport, although you can play it. You can play without hitting people. Um, but, man, basketball, give us something. I just I, – I found it distasteful. Oh, I did mean, you really – you found it distasteful? I, I found it distasteful. Hmm. And, again, I'm being a curmudgeon. I understand that. But, I mean, if, if Luka Doncic moved any slower, he would have been in reverse. Yeah, well, th- there's there's no doubt. I just think it's kind of like I'll, I'll give you an example because I know you a little bit. It's like if you're trying to introduce Elvis Costello to a 22 year old that likes Post Malone, I mean, it's going to be different. And I think you and I, I I'm right there with you on this too. I just tend to try to accept this now of what we've known from the past and what we realize and what we really embraced back then compared to what in actuality is right now. It is just, it's a showcase. I mean, it's a layup line. It's a dunk line. It's a three point shooting line. And that's, that's what it is. I think it's part of the larger culture where guys are sitting out with load management 
You know, I mean, there's so much, uh, so much attention paid now to 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 the the, the physical part of it. Um, you know, I mean, nobody plays 82 games anymore. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jordan Jordan did, and that's one of the things I admire so much about him. He he played 82 virtually every year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I just. I found it distasteful, uh, a little embarrassing. Um, I'll tell you one thing that really surprised me, though. Matt McClung. Yeah. I had no idea who the hell this guy was until that night. I was was looking him up on Google, and the guy put on a hell of a show. No, he did. And that's really the best dunk contest they've had in years with that. And all three of those guys were really good, and he obviously was the best. 1985, the last year that Indianapolis had, you had Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Julius Irving, Orlando Woolridge, uh, Terrence Stansberry, a couple of other major dunkers. Was Larry Nance in that too? Larry Nance, who I covered in Cleveland, who could jump through the roof. I mean... What has happened to the slam dunk contest? Yeah, the major names just just oh, don't do just it. Don't want any part of it. Even Shaden Sharp backed out. Yeah, I mean the major names just don't want to do it. But you're right. '85, the last time it was here, and I mean you remember all of those. Whether you know in '86, for example, it was Spud Webb over Dominic Wilkins. It seemed like almost yeah. every year Dominic Wilkins got hosed in that. Yeah. Almost every year. Yeah. How do you um, – I know that you also wrote about Rick Fusen and company yeah. checking out Salt Lake City in preparation for what's going to go down here. Do you happen to know what they learned with all that in mind over this past weekend? I think they walked out of there thinking, man, we're going to knock this thing right out of the park. I mean, it's all like the decent job, but I, I think Indy is so – I mean, I hate to be a homer, you know that, but – this city is so perfectly prepared and built for these sorts of things. I mean, you know, we had a Super Bowl here. We put together, I mean, one event after another. But to me, the most remarkable thing ever was putting the NCAA tournament on yep. in, on short notice yep. during the pandemic, for God's sake. And if we can do that, then God knows we're going to knock it out of the park um, when the All-Star game comes. Uh, I, I, I didn't see a lot of signage around Salt Lake City. Uh, I know the, the media wasn't thrilled having to take buses everywhere. So uh, I think it's going to be great fun. Um, and I think it'll be a big party. And then the game will suck, but uh, that's, that's my problem. Here's the thing. I completely agree with you on the NCAA tournament two years ago. That will never happen again. That will never happen anywhere else again. Not hopefully not under circumstances in which no, that had no. to happen. But I've had my fill of pandemic. Yes, pandemic. but that will never happen again. And I, we didn't get enough time to soak that up. That was so amazing and ran so smoothly. I, I can't describe it positively enough. Quite frankly. Oh, Robbie, Ryan, Vaughn, and everybody involved. Uh, you know, and look, our. Our uh, political forefathers did a fabulous job. I mean, going all the way back to the Pan Am Games in 1987. Right. Um, and, and, you know, some of the uh, amateur stuff that always came through Indianapolis. We are a really unique, amazing sports city. And it's one of the reasons why I, 
I was interested in, in leaving Denver and coming here, even though we don't have a NHL team, which drives me crazy. But uh, just the, the events that we are able to draw and pull off. And, you you know, you're proud to say you're an indie native. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, and unfortunately, the other side of that is they're not here. We're not here going to get another Super Bowl, are we? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they – I I don't – yeah. I, 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 I mean, with – I you think got, they could get Super Bowl, John. I think they just have no desire to bid for it at this point. Yeah. I, maybe I, down the road. I just – yeah, and maybe that's the case now, but I think even if they wanted it – you 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 have you know obviously Vegas now is going to be in that rotation often and you know every time somebody builds a new stadium part of that is going to end up being you know oh, trying yeah. to secure a Super Bowl you got Nashville coming up with a dome or a, a roof stadium whatever that's going to be I just yeah I don't see it ever again I think that was going to be one of the best one offs of all time I I would agree with you I would agree with you that it you know I I. You know how much media loves to bitch and moan about everything, right? right? Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't hear any media bitch and moan about the Indianapolis Super Bowl. Everybody, you know, I mean, there were some people who had to stay out and by Keystone at the crossing, so they were a little frustrated. But I'm telling you, by and large, people were thrilled uh, at the way uh, Indy ran the Super Bowl. And, yes, it helped that it was, 50 degrees every day. That's great. Absolutely incredible. Bob, I appreciate you more than you know. We'll do it again soon. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Pylon from CBS4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell, would you take a couple of square fish sandwiches from the Ron College slash St. Jude fish fry? Probably not. My my support for St. Jude's is my daughter's or granddaughter's uh, volleyball, and whenever we go on the road with them, it's like two dollars to get in and a dollar for popcorn. So I'm like three dollars at a time <laughs> with, with St. Jude and volleyball. I like a good fish fry. Can't yeah, lie. I've, not, I've not done that before. The holy name here, Bistro, always has something. Yeah, whether it's fish or something, but. I just, I'm too lazy to go down there. They all do, don't they? What is it? Let me see if I uh, have them. Holy Name, uh, Our Lady of Greenwood, uh, St. Jude. What's the one over in um, uh, Wanamaker? Holy, no, that's, we've already named Holy Name. We don't have, I just know the ones that, that right. Delaney's volleyball plays, and there's Holy Spirit, and there's Saint, all these. St. Francis I, I and Eclair. That's, I say St. Yeah. Francis and Eclair like it's, you know, a pastry. Like, like it's a donut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, holy is Holy Rosary one. Did I mention that? Holy Rosary. Well, that's downtown yeah. here, right? So That's one again. They don't They don't play. They play uh, uh, they, they play somewhere. They play on uh, East Street on, on, on Saturday. Saturday's a nice day. I've got uh, Delaney's volleyball at uh, – 11 and, and my grandson's got uh they go for first place in their in their youth basketball league over 
uh, in Fortville on Saturday at 5 o'clock, so it's a full day. It is a full day right there. you got to travel over to, to Fortville. Not a bad one. Yep. Not a bad one whatsoever. Um, so I, I guess there's nothing you can do. And I, I don't think it's the, the biggest of deals. It, Mike, you always want the best coaching your guys. But, right. you know, after Ventrone, I mean, first he was passed over on an interim basis, then obviously passed over with uh with the interview process in mind it just stands to reason somebody else is going to offer him something more he's got a a connection with the past there obviously in cleveland so was it not a foregone conclusion by the way nativity is in wanamaker according to go. john stewart nativity but uh yeah, the exodus there of bubba ventrone your thoughts inevitable i thought i thought maybe there was a chance he would stick around Remember when they was it was the last week when we yep. had the Steichen press conference and uh, Gus Bradley and Bubba there and there were some a lot of defensive coaches there, so you're thinking maybe and and he he would have been back had Cleveland or someone else not approached him. I mean it's not like he was going to resign, but I'm sure there was a little bit of irritation with with how the. Not so much the head coaching search, but certainly the interim thing. I, I think that probably irritated him. And maybe if 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 the interim thing had been handled by Chris Ballard, and of course, if that was the case, it wouldn't. He wouldn't have fired Frank Reich. But maybe if it had been Chris Ballard's decision, it would have been Bubba or John Fox or somebody. But I think it did kind of rankle. It would have had to. Uh, Bubba, and then when this thing came up, it was just it was just a chance to not only get away from this situation, maybe, but more so uh, a chance to move. And he's what he's also an assistant head coach. If that matters, title wise, I'm sure it does, money wise. But good for him, and you know, and he played there for four years as a player when he was a special teams nut. So good for him, and he'll you know he'll be a head coach at some point. You know, I'm, not, I'm not saying next year in the next cycle or two, but that's what he wants, and he's, he's just he's just so put together as a coach and, and and player reaction and all that. And I went back and looked, and his special teams is ranked top ten for the last five years, and that means something. This year they were like tenth, and that's when you lose your punter in training camp and you switch kickers after week one. So. Uh, really a good job, and, and it's it. This is a, a significant loss. They'll bring somebody in and all this, but you lose Bubba, and you're going to feel it. Yeah, this. I, I just I think as far as the whole uh, alphabet, if you will, of what is important here, and I know having good coach, coaches is there is so much more important than worrying about. You know what you're doing right now to me, special teams. Maybe I'm alone in that. Agreed. I, I do Agreed. get a little yeah. bit of pushback on it, but that's my thought. Well, yeah. I mean, it, and again, you've got you got a bunch of irons in the fire, and and this is one iron that I don't think they thought would be in the fire because this just came up. What was it Monday when you know Cleveland fires their coach, and then they request to talk to to, to Bubba through the Colts, and the Colts initially, my understanding is they hesitated for a day and they tried to see if they could work something out with Bubba and whatever those discussions were, no, they, he wanted to at least explore Cleveland. And, and if he was going to, if he was going to talk to Cleveland, he was going to Cleveland. I mean, that's just how that was going to be. So yeah, but no question. There's other things 
to matter. You've got free agency coming up in a couple of weeks, and you got like 20 players that you got to d- decide what you're doing. And then, oh, by the way, the draft. So it, there's always there's always there's always phases you go through: head coach, coordinator, free agency, well, then then the rest of your staff, and, the, and then free agency, and then they're really you know knuckle down with the draft. But yeah, in priorities, this is down the list a little. But I'm not going to dismiss that this is, oh, by the way, you can always find another coach. You can always find another offensive line coach or whatever. Those are three or four pretty important positions because, you know, look how everybody was ragging on Chris Strasser last year, probably the last year and a half, because this this offensive line regressed. It simply did. And, you know, coaches have to be accountable. But, yeah, in, in the full scheme of things, this is probably, I don't know, fifth or sixth on my list, but it's still on my list. Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 is with us. Combine next week, Wednesday, I believe, for both Steichen and Ballard. I want to get to that with you coming up in in just a minute when they're going to meet with the uh, local and, I guess, national media as well. But uh, a bloodletting of sorts in Nashville, Tennessee yesterday with the Titans. Are we expecting anything equivalent to in the ballpark of what we saw at Tennessee yesterday? You mean here? Yeah. No, I, I to that extent, no. I knew their because cap situation was certainly severe, and they that's were like why that took place. Yeah, over the cap, and with all they did, they're like twelve million under the cap now. And it's kind of funny. Normally, when you have head coaching moves, you have this kind of change personnel. They didn't change head coaches, but they changed GMs. So, so they're sort of in the same boat. You know, will they do something with with Tannehill? You know, I don't know. But here, you know, we, we we just expect Matt Ryan and Nick Foles to be let go. You know, then how much long? How much deeper does it go? They're like thirteen million under the cap, which sounds okay, but it's not because you know eight million goes to your your rookies, and so. But you get seventeen million with Ryan. You get a million or two with. With uh, Foles, you get $8 million if you do something with Kenny Moore. And I don't want to be dumping on Kenny Moore because he's been quality here, but he wasn't a fit. I wasn't a good fit in this in this system. was really good at, with, with Eberflus. And there's things you can do. You know, I don't know where else you'd want to cut. You know, I, I know there will be talk about Ryan Kelly because his play has declined and he still makes pretty good money. But just keep – this is what we always talk about. It's easy to cut guys. It just is. Then you replace them. So if you're if you're going to cut your center to create another seven or eight million dollars, well then who's your center? You know, Danny Pinner, a guy in the draft in the middle of rounds, a free agent. So let's just be careful about cutting guys, unless you have a guy in back of him to step in, and they don't have the type of depth to cut this guy, that guy, and say, well, we get this guy because they don't have this guy. But they, they could restructure uh, DeForest Buckner, Braden Smith. I think they can restructure Shaq and create Buku cap space. They really can. You know, it's not taking money from these guys. It's just giving them money up front. That's pushing money forward, which they normally don't like to do. But if I'm Chris Ballard, sort of I change some of my approach because, you know, the, the time's running out to where they got to do something as far as on the field. So I wouldn't be super worried about 2024 and 25 and 26 
because if you don't get it right this year or next year, you know, that's going to be somebody else's worry. So we'll see where that goes. But they can do what they need to cap-wise and signing guys-wise, but they will have to make a few moves to do that. Uh, yes, like everybody else out there, I also thought that Mike Chappell was going to quote Sean Penn from Fast Times at Ridgemont High with who's got the Buku Dolores today. Alas, you did not go that direction. Well, you li- a little bit disappointed. Can't lie. Mike uh, Chappell. I, I, I tend to disappoint people. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 is with us. So, you surprised that there's not a solidified defensive coordinator in the name of Gus Bradley set right now? You know, only only that they, they, a team doesn't normally say, by the way, we retain this guy because he's he, he's their coordinator. He, he's their coordinator until we hear otherwise. And the fact that, that it's not been reported elsewhere that, you know, they've, they've, they're talking to these three defensive coordinators. I'm just assuming he's back because we've not heard otherwise. And, you know, I, in, you know, what are they doing on a couple other spots on, on offense? I, I kind of expect Reggie back as a receivers coach. I, I just do. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I guess it would be out of character for the Colts or maybe a lot of teams to say, oh, by the way, you know, we're, we're keeping our, our defensive coordinator, who, by the way, is under contract. But, you know, but I, I guess that could change. But I'm not sure why when there's that, as we've talked about, there's that connection between Steichen and, and Bradley from the Chargers. So it's not like he would be taking somebody on, you know, like Reich did. With Eberfuss, you know, Reich had nothing to do with Eberfuss. Now it worked out, but it, it just makes sense. So why create, why create a headache when you've already got ten things on your plate to decide to go somewhere else with your coordinator? Which, which and if you do that, you're probably changing most of your defensive staff. So I, I think it. I just assume Gus will be back. And again, we've talked. I, I thought the defense played pretty well until it simply wore down from trying to carry the offense and and then injuries really 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 cut into it so i i expect him back but yeah i guess it's strange but not really because they never announce that guys are back because they're still under contract yeah yeah i guess it is a little bit odd i i'm sure you probably giggled a little bit under your breath when when Chris Ballard referenced last week and I know it was in terms of the hiring process of the head coach here and the length in which it took but he said I don't know why you're worried about the time or concerned about the time and that everybody immediately pointed to well after six years yeah I don't think anybody's really worried about the time or something like that you gotta let yourself wide open for that when you said that last week yeah and, and he told but he's always in January that it might be mid-February sure yeah and then, of course, in the head, they set some kind of a league record by interviewing 13 people, and it would have been 14 if DeMarco Ryan's would have would have talked to him. So, they, I tell you, they if they swing and miss on this coaching hire, shame on them because they did they they went over and above the vetting process. So they they know everything about Kane Stike and, and these other guys. What was it, seven other guys through a second interview? So. So they, they they really did their homework, and if nothing else, they've got a deep a deep pool. If something doesn't work out on the other guys that they didn't hire, which sometimes that's that's maybe a, a side or a byproduct of not hiring these guys. Is boy, you've talked to them and now you know about them. But they know everything there is to know about Sykin and what he what he likes, what he doesn't like, and who his staff was going to be, and all that. So 
Uh, but yeah, it, it, aren't we glad it's over? Holy smokes. Uh, and we'll see where this goes. I, I, I'm looking forward to the combine a little only because now we're, we're, we're going to get very little info from coach and GM on Wednesday. I'm probably more interested in, I think it's maybe Friday's when we get access to the quarterbacks just to see the, these three guys and, and kind of feel them out personality wise. Those are the only two days I'm worried about because, you know, maybe they're going to draft an offensive lineman with what, a fourth or fifth round pick. They're going to eat up their, their top draft picks by just getting up to number one or number two to get the guy they want. Yeah, you guys are definitely going to get about five five word answers, five word sentences, if you will, and answers from Shane Steichen on Wednesday. You know, the, thing that, the thing that the Colts ought to do if they were really in the entertainment business is they would bring Jim Irsay, and he would open up by saying, "You know, that Ohio State quarterback looks pretty good," <laughs> and just just to start throwing names out there, just to really throw us for a loop. <laughs> that would be pretty good right there. Yeah. It, it it would. What what is the most interesting aspect of this combine for you? I know it probably has to do with the quarterback evaluations or what extent you can actually do those evaluations via the combine in the first place, but what uh what are the the interesting questions you have for both general manager and head coach Wednesday? Well, oh, uh yeah, but again, I don't know what they're not going to tell us anything. You know what I would like to know from 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 Ballard is why have so many teams and GMs missed on top ten quarterbacks? You know because it's 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 probably fifty fifty, which is not really all that good at odds when you're building your franchise around a top ten quarterback. Is why have people missed on these guys? Is is it that they lack something competitively? You know they've all got talent. I mean, Jacob Eason. Go back to Jacob Eason. Remember, he he's, he he was he he had everything you wanted from a physical standpoint. Well, as far as strong arm, he didn't always know where it was going. But you know, why have the Jets missed twice? Why, why is Jacksonville until Trevor Lawrence missed? Tennessee missed twice. So so how how do you how do you miss on these guys with all the work you put in? But the main thing I want to see out of next week is when we talk to the quarterbacks is how big is Bryce Young? You know, they're going to tell us because they're going to measure these guys. And is he going to be six foot? Is he going to be five ten and something? And, and does that matter? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I wish we could get some idea from the Colts on what they look for and, and, and what's ideal, but they're just not going to, you know why would why would Chris Ballard give us any information on what he prefers and which one they're leaning towards and what this guy's strengths and that guy against that guy's strengths? It serves no purpose to the team to give us any clue. One thing I I, I will take away going forward is any time I see something on the internet or social media where sources tell me the Colts like this or that, that's BS because there's there, Ballard and those guys. They don't share as they shouldn't. Why would you do all your work and then share with somebody to let it out? So whenever I hear somebody say that they know what the Colts are going to do, they're flat out lying to you. It's Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What's your expectation for free agency with the Colts in mind, Mike? Well, first of all, it's, it's which of your own are you going to keep? Do you do you feel like investing another twelve or thirteen million in Yannick Ngakwe? 
uh, it's funny, this stat's been out there, but St- Stephen Holder mentioned it today where since Ngakwe's been in the league, what, since 2000, and is it 16? Yeah. He's like top six in sacks. Only like five or six guys have more sacks than he does. The problem I had with Ngakwe is, what did he have last year? Was it eight and a half or nine and a half sacks for the Colts? It just didn't feel like that. It just didn't feel like he gave him. He was that guy where you got it consistently. But if you don't have him, who do you have? So do you, yeah, how much do you go after to try to keep Ngakwe? How much do you try to keep Paris Campbell? Uh, uh, Bobby Okereke, probably not because of price. EJ Speed, probably. Chase McLaughlin, you better. But then on the open market, you know, what are you looking for? I, certainly depth. But I just don't think they're going to go out. Why would we expect them to go out and go crazy in free agency when they've never done it? And, oh, by the way, they're going to have that the rookie quarterback, which won't be that expensive. But at some point, you're going to have to re-sign Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. So, and, and that normally takes place this offseason. And so they got a lot going on, but they, they've got holes they've got to fill. I mean, they need a right guard. They need if they don't resign in Gakwe, they need they need a an edge rusher. They're probably gonna need a corner a cornerback. They need a blocking tight end. So you know I, I don't think this is a bad roster, but it's got some holes to fill, and and you've got to juggle that from the outside with with trying to retain a few of your own guys. So Mike Chapel's with us. Is there any apprehension with you at all, given how people feel about running back, given this past season and the amount of money? that Jonathan Taylor certainly is going to want here uh, for the longer-term future to try to do something about that where he's not a part of this team or just his level of importance with it as we've seen? Is it too daunting to even attempt to think about such a thing? Well, I don't know. It's just that the running backs, you know, it's it's kind of everybody says, well, you can always find a running back. Well, he was special. He was really special. In 21, was it 1,800 yards? And they didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, how special, how much impact did he have? Uh, and, and that's not to diminish him at all. I think he's a top, I don't know what, top three running back in the league. You know, I, I, and maybe either one or two, however you want to do it. But I was looking here right now, in the top 10 running backs, the average is about 12 million a year and McCaffrey gets 16. So you're not going to, you're not going to go that high, but, but the top 10 receivers are like 20 million. And are you willing to pay Michael Pittman $20 million a year? That, and that, that's a minimum. I mean, that's like the starting point. So I don't know. I, I've seen people say, well, let's, let's, let's trade Jonathan Taylor and get what you can from him. And I'm thinking, God, he's just, he's a special player. And you probably wouldn't get very, would you really get as much as you would think? No, no. I'm trying, it's back in the day. What did they get for Marshall Falk? A two and a five. Yeah. Uh, but so I don't know what you get, but then doggone it. Then, then who's your running back? You know, Zach Moss, you know, Deion Jackson, you, you'd find one in the fourth or fifth round. I just, and I've said this and I believe it is that if I'm going to, and they are. They're, they're going to bring in that young quarterback, and you're going to get rid of your, probably your best player, Jonathan Taylor. Is, is that the way you want to start this new group with with a, with a young quarterback? Is to get rid of your best offensive player? 
And I could argue the same with, with Michael Pittman. I mean, I, I don't know that they're going to pay 20 or $25 million for Michael Pittman a year. I just don't. But if you don't have him, then, then how do you replace him? And it's going to cost, you know, easily that to replace him, unless you try to do it in the draft. And keep in mind, if they move up to one or two with Chicago, it's going to cost them probably next year's first-round draft pick as well and probably this year's second-round pick. So all of a sudden you're – you're picking a receiver in the second or the third or fourth round to try to be a guy. So it, it, it's really a tough argument to have, a tough debate to have. It'll be cheaper to keep Jonathan Taylor, maybe a three-year deal or whatever, give him a lot of guaranteed money. But, you know, wouldn't you rather have a receiver who has a longer shelf life if you think he's, you know, if you think Pittman's the top, what, 12 or 15 receiver, maybe you do that. Do you think he's that good? I don't know. You know, I don't know. He, They they, they did him no favors last year with this offense. It, it's really incredible that he had 99 catches and didn't, didn't get 1,000 yards. That's really hard to do. It really is. So it, it's, it's tough decisions, and I guess you can let these guys play at their contracts before you really go after them. That's not the way you normally do it. But you're talking about two unique situations with a running back, an elite running back, and a receiver who's probably not an elite, but is pretty good. And it's going to cost you a boatload of money to keep pretty good. And those are tough decisions. Rick Venturi had mentioned, by all means necessary, to get up to number one, to secure in what's Rick's opinion is the best quarterback in the draft. And the future for what should be the Colts and Bryce Young. Do you think that the Colts will have that th- same thought slash motivation in mind if they feel who they like more than anybody else is going to be gone by the time the Bears are on the check this, the Texans are on the clock at number two? Do you think by all means necessary they would make a deal to get to one? Yeah, because nothing else, I don't say nothing else matters, but. Everything else kind of pales in comparison to getting the quarterback. And if you're if you're just damn convinced that it's Bryce Young, it's Levis, or it, it's Stroud, you go get him. To think to think that they would sit there at four and say, "Well, whatever comes our way, we'll get it and make it work." That's you don't you can't do that. The problem is, and, and it's not talked about a lot, but if Houston is convinced that Bryce Young is the guy. They've got a lot more chance to move up to one than the Colts do. They've got more draft capital. They don't have now players to to, to throw in there, but draft capital-wise, Houston's got more than the Colts do. So what if the Colts and and Houston both believe that the same guy is the guy? Well, there's a really, really good chance that Houston gets him just because they only have to move him two to one, and they've got more draft capital to do it. Either franchise – if you believe that guy is the guy, whoever it is, and we're not going to know from the Colts until draft day. We just won't. But if you believe that's the guy, you get him. And now I always say within reason. I, they're probably not within reason. You just go and do it. And it's going to cost you this year's one. You flip ones. It's going to cost you this year's two, next year's one, and probably something else. I wouldn't mind throwing Kenny Moore in there. You know, as much as Eberfluss loves Kenny Moore and as much as Kenny Moore really excelled 
in, in Flusa's defense. I wouldn't mind that. But how do you just say, well, we'll take number two or number three and make it work? Unless you have all three guys, you know, graded the same and you believe there's not that much difference in these guys. But if there's much difference, I mean, it's not close. One guy's above the rest. Boy, don't you have to kind of go up and do it? Because I think Ballard even said, you do whatever it takes if that guy is there. Hey, Mike, in closing here, Ngakwe or Campbell, both or neither, what would you think we would, would see in 2023? I'd try to do both. Uh, Campbell won't cost you an arm and a leg. Uh, but just because somebody will want to say we'll do it again because, you know, after all the injuries. Again, I was I, I wanted more from Ngakwe last year, but it would probably cost you more to go and get somebody else. And, and obviously he knows Gus Bradley's defense real well. I'd say both. Uh, and, and, yeah, I'd say both. And that might be the extent of bringing back any major people of your own other than the kicker because that's going to take some decent jack to, to going to get those two guys done. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Tampa Bay, Carolina, you don't foresee anybody else trying and, and maybe potentially having a better package to get the number one if well, necessary. Could, but again, they, they come, they're coming from further up, which means it takes more because, again, the, the, the further down that Chicago goes, they're not going to want to go much below four or five because there's a couple of apparently, and I've not looked into it because it's not a pertinent to the Colts, there's apparently two or three elite defensive players. And maybe the Bears are okay going back to four because at least two of the top three are going to be quarterbacks and you're going to get one of the top defenders. Going back to six or eight or ten or whatever, that's a, that's a long way for the Bears to fall thinking they can still get a guy unless they try to then move back up. So I, I just would question how far back the Bears would want to fall and still get a quality player. Because, again, if, if you're going to be as bad as they were record-wise, you got to make hay from it. You know, it's like the Colts with Luck and Manning. When you got that chance to get the guy that you want, because you got ahead such a crappy year, then you got to do it. He's Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. I will see you on Wednesday at the Combine. Hooray. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll see you there, buddy. On me. <laughs> you yeah. got it, man. Mike Chappell. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.